This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Jake. And we're like Rogers and Stark. Ooh. Captain America and Iron Man. Yes! You were never going to stump me on that. Can I be Captain America? Would you? Uh, that is America's ass. I mean, I love Captain America. I mean, he's a pretty cool, uh, he's, he's pretty good. Actually, I was just watching The Winter Soldier the other day, and I rewatched the elevator scene like four times in a row. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a good scene. He's like, does anybody, before we get started, does anybody want out? <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, I was going to go with Tony and Steve, but I didn't know if you'd get that. I probably would have. Oh, okay. Well, I liked, I liked the scene where they go back in time and he's in that elevator with those guys. And, you know, he's pretending to be the double agent and be Hail Hydra. Yep. That was a pretty yep. good line. Yep. That was pretty good. So, I I dig those movies, man. Still haven't seen the first Spider-Man. Oh, it's good. Is it? Yeah, if we were dating, we could be Peter and Mary Jane, but... I mean, could I be Mary we're, Jane? We're just friends. Oh, dang it! So, <laughs> I don't like you like that. Oh! <laughs> I like you. I just got zoned. Like I just got zoned so hard. You got zoned. Oh, you got zoned. That hurts. Washington traveled down to Tucson to take on Arizona, a place where Washington has lost a lot of games over the years in the state of Arizona. They exercised some demons in the second half. Washington went down, uh, took an early lead, halftime, they're down, and then in the second half you saw hopefully a awakening of this offense. Jake, what are your initial thoughts on the game? Yeah, you kind of touched up on it. It was really a tale of two halves. It really felt like Washington dominated the first half. A couple of turnovers, blocked punt, and owning the time of possession battle, but constantly settling for field goals deep in Arizona territory. That first drive, we went for it on fourth and one. Didn't get it. Um, you, it, it really sets the team back when you go for it early in the game like that and you don't grab it. And it kind of – we had momentum – and then we just gave it right back. And when that happened, I got nervous. Um, you know, and, and throughout the whole first half, I mean, our defense played really, really well. But uh, we just couldn't capitalize on the offensive end. And Arizona goes into halftime up 13-17. And I am literally pulling my hair out. I actually, I don't remember if it was you or one of the other guys I was texting during the game that, I sent a text that said, do we suck? Excuse me. And whoever, and you said, maybe. Maybe. That was, that was such a disheartening half to watch. It was. Because the defense did play well. Yep. Uh, they gave up. Um, they scored on a short field. And then Arizona was able to drive twice in really the only two drives, really all game, that they looked decent. Um, and were able to punch it in for two scores. Yeah. So dominating the the game like they did, especially defensively. And then losing at half. Yeah. And then being losing at half, you're just thinking, yeah. there's no way that Arizona is going to play another half as bad as they did. Right. And, and what's going to happen here? And then, you know, of course, your mind just starts racing of where what's going to happen with this team. Right, right. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, second half hits. We finally see the halftime adjustments we've kind of all been clamoring for, really. Washington defense holds Khalil Tate to a career-low negative 28 rushing yards. They get four turnovers from Arizona's offense, and they give Kevin Sumlin his biggest home loss in his tenure at Arizona. Yeah, that was the, – the defensive effort the entire game, you know, didn't tr- change that much. The defense made – uh, they came with a good game plan, and they were able to uh, sustain that through the whole game. They were really disciplined on the outside. 
Arizona couldn't get to the outside and the defensive line had a much better game than they did against uh, Stanford uh, and inside linebackers. And I'll get to this a little bit later. There was some really, really good adjustments that Washington made this week that helped those inside linebackers uh, experience some success. But where I saw the, the, the change at halftime was obviously in the offense, just like everybody else. Yeah. I, the, the defense was good from the start of the game. And what I was really impressed with as far as the, the defensive line goes was the constant pressure they had with the three and four man front. It, yeah. And, and not only was it pressure, but Khalil Tate is such a special athlete that a lot of times you'll see somebody get into the backfield and Khalil Tate burn them for a 10 yard, a 10 yard, 30 yard run constantly. You know, he'll start getting chased from behind and he'll outrun those defensive linemen. Our linemen are such special athletes that they started chasing him down. And I don't know if it's because of the lingering injury problems that he's had, but he was not pulling away from our linemen. And we constantly got to him in the backfield for, for sacks, for him to throw the ball away. It, it was a very special effort by that front four, front three defensive group. He didn't look like the Khalil Tate that you're used to seeing. He looked like he was running timid. There were a couple times he tried to get down where he kind of put his knee into the turf and he didn't really go anywhere. There, He looked a little bit timid. However, I thought that specifically Joe Tryon, who seemed to have a beat on him for most of the day, and Ryan Bowman to a lesser extent, were really, really important in keeping him inside. And then the discipline of the defensive backs on the outside to play those um, those zone coverage well and leaving those flats uh, covered up so Tate didn't have a way to get outside was really important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's not let's not forget that Khalil Tate is two games removed from a 400 yard passing game as well. It's not all about his rushing game with Khalil Tate. That's what makes him a special college quarterback. Is that he can run like a running back, but he can also huff the ball down the field. So, yeah. albeit it's Colorado, but still, you're putting up 400 yards against a D1 football team. So, the guy is – he is the prototype of a dual-threat quarterback where he has the running ability of like a Michael Vick, but, you know, he can also really throw the ball downfield really well. He's got a good deep ball. And there was just nowhere for him to throw all day, especially with the – and I think what really helped was the, the constant pressure that he was under. I think he got happy feet, and that really helped that secondary lock down those receivers. Yeah. Uh, moving to the offensive side, it sounds like Jacob Eason had a, some sort of speech at halftime, and that's the first time that he's done that this year. And you could see the – the difference in the, in the execution on offense coming out from halftime, going down, marching down, having a fourth and in inches just like earlier and picking it up relatively easily with a four yard quarterback sneak. He was on the money. First throw was a, it looked like it wasn't a back shoulder. It wasn't a front shoulder, but it was kind of that fadish kind of a throw to Puka who caught it right over the defensive backs head for for just a great start to that series and which led to an offense that frankly looked like we expected it in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll, I'll touch up a little bit on, on Puka later, but uh, that play that you speak of uh, the 49 yarder, I believe it was. was no, nope, that was the, oh, that, that was, was the, um, I, I, and I'm, a, I, I'm not convinced that that speech was for the offense and the team in general, or if it was just Jacob kind of preaching to the team, but himself mostly. Like, I need to play better and I need to get amped up, so maybe it's time for me to to show some energy and, and get right. And it kind of just affected the whole team. Because I think as much as the rest of the team needed, I think I think Jacob needed it just as much as anybody else did. Well, I think when you look back at it, it could be the the turning point where this became Jacob Eason's team. And that's that's why I think it's so important. It's not necessarily whether he was trying to – he was yelling at his guys or yelling at himself. 
the fact is that when you yell, it affects everybody and a good leader will do that. And a quarterback needs to be the lead, the vocal leader of a team. And I think that's what happened. You know, and as much as we dogged Browning for a lot of years about not having physical attributes that Eason does or a lot of quarterbacks do, he really did have control of his team from day one. He was always, he was always the prototypical leader. He always was very boisterous to his guys, always patting them on the backs, always ramping them up. And we had yet to see that from Eason this year. Um, and like you said, I, it was really, it was good to see because you could really see the team rally behind him. And it was, you know, it was needed in that moment too, because you just came off a bad loss from Stanford and you're reeling against Arizona. You dominated the first half, but you were losing. So that was the perfect time to step up and let your presence be known. Yeah. And you know, if they go out this Saturday and beat Oregon and, and uh, you know, maybe get back to that Pac-12 championship game, I think you can look back at that halftime and the second half of Arizona as a major turning point. Absolutely. Uh, there were some also really good things that happened in that second half that I really appreciated. Uh, the The offensive line looked really good. Yes. The running backs were running well. Sean McGrew was running really well. But you saw some some new guys getting – not just getting reps, but getting balls thrown their way. Yeah. And I think that's a really encouraging side going forward. You've really harped on that most of the year where you've been giving receivers not the greatest grades, partially because only two receivers have logged catches in multiple games. Yes. And today there were multiple – there was a lot more receivers who got balls thrown their way and uh, got yards. Yeah, and, and – it's not just been me that's clamoring for more receivers to get more touches. You know, it's, you know, we, anybody that cares about the, the program, right, saying that. right. You know, if, if you go based off the I to S, you know, Bacelli hasn't been getting the job done. And, and Peterson's not dumb to that. It's, I think a lot of his thing is, is trust in the young guys. Can I trust? These and he's guys? protecting players yeah. too. He's not going to throw anybody under the bus. Right. And, uh, I think a lot of it is, you know, are these guys ready? Does he think that they're ready? And we kind of touched on it last week. You know, they're only getting practice reps, and that doesn't necessarily translate to game reps. Some guys are gamers, but to get to game reps, you also need to practice well, and you need to show your coach that you can play when the pressure's on. And he's done, he's done a pretty good job with Puka as well. And, and even, like, uh, Turner, you know, if you want to look at the defensive side as well, getting them reps, but not in high-pressure situations. So you get them in, you get their feet wet, and then you start putting them in a little bit more of a pressure situation. And you kind of build that momentum up. And we really saw it against Arizona where Turner, Aston Turner got the start, in, in a high-pressure situation, and then Puka comes in in the second half and, and immediately gets balls thrown to him in a, in a high-pressure situation. So these guys have been playing, building up to that moment, and when they were put in that moment, they really succeeded. And it, that's kind of proof of Peterson's way right there. He doesn't just throw them in the first game and say, okay, here, here are the Wolves. Go get it. You know, he, he kind of he builds them up to the wolves and when they get to them, they're ready to take them down. And that's what I like about that system. Could it have been progressed a little bit quicker? In my opinion. Yeah. I would have liked to see Puka a little bit more earlier in the year, especially against lesser talent. That way he could have really built his confidence. But the fact is, is that's not what happened, but we're getting to see him more now. And I think it's going to pay off the rest. I would be interested. I can't remember that far back. Was um, Cam Williams here for spring ball? Yes. Okay, so maybe that's the big difference because between Turner, why Turner wasn't. Cam Williams and Turner wasn't. Yeah. 
because uh, you saw you saw the difference that made a huge difference in the backfield. Yeah. With I mean Jordan Chin's been in the in the program for a little while now, but him getting that play, getting those reps, I think those are going to come directly from Bacelli's reps. Uh, I don't see how you can't get Puka out there more. I thought on that forty nine yard pass. It was really cool to see him fight for those extra yards. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and a lot of it was Puka was Puka was put in situations in running plays. You know, so he was out on the field, but it wasn't even throwing downs. Um, but you're right, seeing seeing them actually kind of game plan to him. You know, obviously they weren't completely game planning to him, but getting him looks on certain plays was fantastic to see. Uh, what do you give the Okay, first half, I'm going to give the quarterback a C-. Second half, I'm going to give him a B just because of the fact that he rallied the troops around him and went out there. Overall, I'm going to also give him a B. Not all of this is on him, but Washington's – Conversion rate was three thirteen third down, which translates to a twenty three percent success rate, or a seventy seven percent failure rate, which is not good. Uh, but baseball, yeah, that's all right. Baseball, yeah, I'd live with that. But he is the quarterback, and a lot of that does fall on his shoulders. He did have a decent stat line on the day, with two hundred forty three yards and two touchdowns. So you kind of even them out. Um, I don't love the third down conversion rate, but I do like his stat line. And I do love the fact that he kind of pep talked his team at halftime. So I'll give him a B for the week. I think that's acceptable. Uh, the second half, he played much better. Yeah. His receivers also played better, and that's part of it as well. Yeah, that's a big part of it. All right, Jake, what do you give the running backs? First half, I'm going to give him a B. Second half, I'm going to give them an A. Overall, I'm going to give them a B plus. McGrew and Ahmed combined for 201 rushing yards on 36 carries. I love seeing this football carry the, the ball more than 40 times. They, they carried the ball for 45 times this game. I absolutely love seeing Washington football do that. I think we got away from it a little bit in Stanford, and I think that the coaches kind of went back to the drawing board on – what kind of a team do we want to be? And it's a run-first team. That's what this, this coaching staff has been from the day that they showed up, and that's what they need to continue to do. And I, I love how they ran the ball this game. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought McGrew had, of the two, the better day. I thought that he was nails running between the 20s. He got the offense started in the first half. He set the tone in the second half. And then Ahmed, Ahmed coming through with those three touchdowns. I think this was a really stellar performance by the running backs. Do you think right now McGrew is the best running back on this roster? The best healthy running back, yes. Do you think Richard Newton's better than him overall, or do you think Richard Newton's just a better touchdown guy? That's a really good question. I don't know. Richard Newton um, has been prone to fumbles, and Sean McGrew has yet to do that. Yeah, you're, that's a really good point. I, and, and I, I love. That's I, a great I, question. I love Dick Newton. Don't get me wrong. I love how he runs the ball. He's big. He's physical. He's a downhill guy. That's my favorite type of running back. I don't love the Reggie Bushes of the world. I love the Sean McGrews and and the big powerful runners. The the um, Marshawn Lynches, the guys that are going to run downhill, run over people. Sean McGrew has a lot more of that in him than I thought he did when he came into this program. And me personally, I think Sean McGrew is more polished back right now just because he can razzle-dazzle a little bit. But he can, you know, your favorite play from him a couple of weeks ago was there were three defenders in front of him. He kind of did a little shimmy. Then he said, oh, F it. I'm going to run through you and picked up the first down. And I love that about McGrew. Yeah, I agree with you. Savon on the year has 90 attempts for 522. Sean McGrew, 51 for 330. Right. Sean McGrew is, I mean, that yards per carry, I'm not going to do it off the top of my head, but 
he's he's playing really really well. Uh, Z- yeah, Savon's getting more touches. Savon has the potential to break one loose at any time. That's what Savon has yeah. over anybody on this on this roster. I thought that forty yard run Sean McGrew really showed some of his athletic burst. Yeah. I thought that he in that play he looked like the most athletic person on the field. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm really happy with the running backs. And you said it last week that this, this team's going to live and die by the running backs uh, or by the run. And you're right. Yeah, that happens. Not often. Unless it's picks. <laughs> that I'm never right. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. You did okay this week. Did I? Ooh. You did all right. Like fitty fitty. No, I, I, that's enough spoils for right now. We'll get there. You got me all excited. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just say steak? <laughs> um, all right, what do you got for the receivers? Receivers. First half, I'm going to give them a D. Second half, I'm going to give them an A. Okay? Overall, I'm going to give them a B. Okay. Now, keep in mind, I'm grading a little bit on a curve here since I have been so hard on these guys this year, but in the second half of this game, what was the difference in the receiving core, Trev? Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua. Oh, and Jordan Chen. And, uh, okay, sure. I'll give, I, I'll give you that. One catch <laughs> I don't think justifies a big difference in the receiving core, but sure, I'll give it to you. 39 yards? I'll take it all day. <laughs> all day. Uh, the energy that Puka brings is insane. He had three catches, 97 yards with a long of 49. I loved that catch, the 49-yard reception. Not only because it was an acrobatic catch that he made, he had to kind of jump over the receiver and show some athleticism, but because he threw defenders around after the catch, and he put joy illuminating from him it was incredible to see, man. I, the guy has some serious passion for the game. You know, we said that. He loves he, catching footballs, he man. He does, man. We, we talked about it when we recruited him, when he signed here. I watched a lot of his high school film and watched him on the Polynesian Bowl. Every time the guy catches a ball, dude, he, he is ecstatic. And I love that about him. I love his energy. And I think it brings a lot of energy to the team. And I think that's really needed, uh, especially with this group. You know, this offensive group, there hasn't been a whole lot of energy because there's been a lot of drop balls. So you get a guy like Puka in there, he brings the energy level up from a, from a D to a to an A, and, and you're going to see guys start flying around more and making more catches. And, and it was special watching that receiving core in the second half because of the energy that that guy brought. What do you got for the offensive line? First half, I'm going to give them a C. And uh, second half, I'm going to give them an A. And overall, I'm going to yeah. give them a B. Uh, the first half, there was a lot of pressure. I think uh, the offensive line struggled a little bit with the blitzing schemes that Arizona brought. The uh, second half, it seems like they they really they really brought it together. Uh, not just the passing game. They gave Eason a lot of a lot of time in that passing game for him to take big chunk yards downfield. But the road grading that these guys produced for Ahmed and um, McGrew was incredible. Big chunk plays for, for our running game. 201 rushing yards. 450 yards on the, on the day with an average of 6.7 yards per play. That, that offensive line was special in that second half. They looked really good. They, they, looked, they also they became looked how they, more they, yeah, they looked how we thought they were going to be at the start. And they were down two guys. Uh, Mateo Mele started at center. Yeah. Nick Harris didn't make the trip. And then Jackson Kirkland got hurt early. And I'm not really sure. I haven't heard why he went out, if he's going to be back or anything like that either. Yeah. So, I don't know. We might be seeing uh, Benavalu a lot more. Yeah. All right, Trent, so, you ready for your grades? Yeah. Okay, defensive line. So I don't have to do what Jake did with the first half and the second half because the defense was pretty consistent throughout the whole game. Right. The the defensive line, and I, when I do defensive line, I haven't really made this clear. 
I also put the outside linebackers there because they're usually playing that defensive end sort of position. So I'm lumping in Joe Tryon. I'm lumping in Ryan Bowman into that group, and they're going to get themselves a big fat A this week. Oh, boy. Josiah Bronson was super-duper disruptive in the backfield. He had two tackles for losses plus a sack. There was a play where J.J. Taylor tried to get started. He started to go through a hole, and all of a sudden, he, he, he just wasn't there. <laughs> and you look, and Josiah Bronson's got him by one arm and then puts him on the ground. I thought that was by far Josiah Bronson's best game. I thought that for this year, that was by far Joe Tryon's best game. That looked like what we expect Joe Tryon to be going forward. He, he out-athleted Khalil Tate, and he – he was in the right position all the time. He looked so fast and he was able to, he's the reason why with the corner, with, with the defensive backs, the reason why he threw the ball away 11 times in that game. And uh, threw the ball backwards for no apparent reasons. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> was uh, and then I can't, I also, I can't forget Levi, Levi on blocking that punt that should have led to seven, but yes. only led to three. Yep, absolutely. Actually, that block punt led to zero, my friend. Oh, you're right. That was a fourth down. Yes, it yep. was. Um, side note, Josiah Bronson is the two deeps. Josiah, Josiah Bronson is noted as the starter this week over Benny Pokawagi. So I talked to you about that earlier this week. You made a really good point. They're both going to see the field a ton. It doesn't really matter who starts between the two of them because they're going to rotate and right. play with each other. So, And the thing is, is Josiah Bronson, he had four tackles that were all solo, two tackle for losses, a sack. Benning had two tackles, and one was a sack as well. So, yeah. I they're mean, both playing lights out. They're both playing really right. well. Right. It's, and it's an embarrassment of riches between the two of them. It's so weird to think about that from just what happened last week to this week. It is uh, – you just have such a better feeling about the entire defense. Absolutely. And this, this offense is so much better than the Stanford offense that Washington struggled with so much. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm going to get to why I think we saw a change that's going to stay that way. Linebackers? Linebackers, so middle linebackers, middle linebackers, dude. They're getting themselves a nice B plus. Ooh, look at us getting soft on our hated positions. I love it. <laughs> There's a big reason why, and that's because Washington made a change at inside linebacker. Yes, Kyler Manu did start, and Brandon Wellington did start, but for a bulk of the game, you saw Brandon Wellington and Ariel Nagata on the field together. Yeah. Ariel Nagata is so freaking fast. Yeah, he is. He, I, I've never seen a linebacker move as quickly as he can. He's put on weight since he's gotten here. The way that he made up for finding the correct hole, mm -hmm. the way that he shot gaps when he blitzed was really, really fun to watch. And I think that that's going to propel this Husky defense back to where they need to be. He led the team with eight tackles when he, he, he probably saw 60% um, of the snaps from the inside linebacker position between him and Manu. And there was a stark difference when Nagata was on the field, Arizona didn't move as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's, I think that's half of a, a big change that you're going to see that's going to help this team. And it might even start to turn that inside linebacker spot into a strength. And with Ariel Nagata, he is only a sophomore, so he's going to be here for two more years. He might end up becoming a really good Ben Burkirvan-like, quicker version of a tackle machine. We can, we can only hope, especially with the linebackers that we have sitting they're waiting to play the young guys, right. the freshmen that we have. Right. This linebacker core for the next few years is going to be special. Uh, Kyler Manu waited his turn, and it paid off for him. But 
like you said, Nagata's kind of forcing the hand of this coaching staff saying, look at what I just did on this defense. It's time for mine. Yeah, and I thought that it made it made Brandon Wellington a better player because it took some pressure off of him. Uh, Wellington tied for second most with the five tackles he picked up. He got the scoop and score. So there's some really good things happening there, and I think that combination is going to be a winning combination. But we can't talk about the linebackers without at least mentioning that MGA Tafisi um, injury. That was a pretty scary moment. You know, when you get up in that head and neck area, that's just kind of a scary area to be hit. Right. And what always scares me is when you see immobilization put on a player. When yeah. When they when they get the neck brace out and they're holding their head stable, that's what scares me because that's some neck injury that could linger and, and potentially ruin somebody's life. So the fact that he flew home with the team. Yeah, big deal. And he's okay. That's a huge, huge deal. And it's good to see. Yeah, my guess is you won't see him again until after the the bye week, which, you know, when it comes to player safety, I'm I'm happy about that. Yeah. Absolutely. So by far the most encouraged I've been by the middle linebacking core this year. Sure. Uh, Cornerbacks. I'm going to go B minus. Okay. Um, the, if we're just going Elijah Molden, he had a really tough day. He did uh, have a he, tough day. Yeah, he got burned on some one-on-ones where they, they left their corners out on an island, and uh, he got beat a few times for that long touchdown that Tate had that was on, on Molden. He didn't look super crisp. And, that, and that's really two day, two games in a row that – he hasn't looked like the Elijah Molden that we're used to seeing. Yeah. Um, Keith Taylor played overall. He played well. He had a tackle for loss that was really in a really important time where they were testing the flats and he, he shut it down for a loss, but then on a third or a fourth down on one of their scoring plays, he had a shot at the running back in the backfield and totally whiffed him. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's good and bad. Overall, though, when you hold Khalil Tate to really Arizona's first-team offense scored 20 points. Yeah. Um, and, and some of it was on a short field. I'm going to take that all day. So, overall, B-. minus. Okay. I can dig it. Um, yep. Safeties. B+. Plus. Okay. Because, again, there were a couple of tackles that these two guys missed. Asa Turner started played most of the game and his impact was uh, immediate. He gets, he hits guys really hard. Um, he's another one of those emotional guys. He's clapping his hands. He's, he's celebrating uh, and he's flying around. Uh, he missed one tackle that ended up working out for us because his counterpart, the free safety <laughs> miles Bryant came over and knocked that ball out. Yeah. Uh, but I can think of, uh, I think uh, miles Bryant had at least one missed tackle and I think Asa had two. And that's the only reason they're not in the A. Again, I'm super excited about the Asa Turner. I mean, if, 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 if you're looking at Miles Bryant's day, he has one missed tackle. So what? Right. Uh, he, he forced a fumble. He, he had five tackles on that side. Yeah, time. I mean, that guy is still incredible. Um, Asa yeah. Turner's young. And he's still that's making his, plays, right? Yeah, Asa Turner's young. That's his first start. Missed two tackles. I, again, I mean, missing two tackles is more, but again – so what? Uh, the way that those guys carried that secondary was pretty spectacular, in my opinion. I agree with you. And so the other going forward with this defense, putting Asa Turner in the starting lineup, having him see the majority of the reps, I think is going to make this team better. And I think putting Ariel Nagata in that inside linebacker spot <laughs> brings this team to having their most talented guys on the field which is going to make them a better defense and back to that defense that we expect. Yeah, absolutely. Asa Turner is really kind of the safety that we've kind of come accustomed to seeing in this defense. The big hitter, the big safety. I mean, he was he, he, in high school, he was debating to play linebacker or safety. That's how big he is. He's kind of like a JoJo McIntosh where we have that big hitter, strong safety. 
while Miles Bryant's back there running around making plays. And I really like seeing it uh, that type of safety in there, uh, bringing the boom to the guys. And I think that's I think that's kind of an intimidation factor as well. You know, safe, uh, receivers that are running across the middle, they see him coming, they they hear those footsteps, and they start thinking. Mm, you know, am I going to get blasted? And that's when people start dropping balls. And that's the kind of defense I like to see. And I agree with you. I think that that's going to be what propels this group to becoming a lead again this year. Yeah. All right. So who's your, who's your MVP on the offensive side? I'm going to go with Sean McGrew. I think uh, the way that he carried the ball in the second half really propelled us to, man, could you, it's either Sean McGrew or Jacob Eason. But the way that McGrew carried the ball and propelled us to that many yards in that second half and kind of put the game away for us was something special. I, he didn't get the touchdowns that Ackman had, but, man, he, he he really lit a fire with the way that he ran the ball in the second half. He, he runs downhill. I love it. Eason, you could say the same for him. His first half, you could forget, but his second half was pretty special. Finding Puka on the sidelines – Grabbing a couple, a pair of touchdowns in the second half there. I think both are deserving of it. I'll prob- I'll go with Sean. That's a really good choice. I totally agree with you. I think that he set the tone with the offense, both in the first half and the second half, that they were going to be able to get f- some production from the running game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to get four or five-yard chunk plays out of him every time. How about you, Trev? How about your defensive player of the game? My defensive player of the game, man, there's a lot to choose from, but I'm just so high on Ariel Nagata right now that I'm just going to stick there. You might as well. He was – I just – I was so impressed with him. That That is the most encouraging thing. And, you know, it's one of those things where I graded the, the safeties kind of hard because I, I have a really high standard for him, And I was a little more lenient on the inside linebackers because – of the lower standard that I have. And I think Ariel Nagata and Brandon Wellington might be the combination that gets us to that next level. And just seeing that and seeing that the coaching staff was willing to make that change with him and Asa Turner, I got to go with one of those two. Well, yeah. And then Joe Tryon. I mean, how it's, it's really hard to choose. <laughs> it sounds like we both had a tough time choosing today, but yeah. uh, you know, with Ariel Nagata, how could you not go with him for you, especially the way that you've graded the linebackers this year? I think that's the first time you've given the linebackers higher than a C- minus all year. You kind of have to give it to, to him. Just because he's a major factor, the reason why you gave them a higher grade than you have all year, by a lot. And, and the way that that defense really kind of stifled Arizona when he was on the field with his speed and his recovery to the play and his and his gap control, he really played a really, really good game. And that's exactly what you want to see out of your linebackers. You never saw Ben Burkirvin really flashy or, you know, rarely make a spectacular play, but he was always in the right place at the right time. And that's what you need from the linebacker core in this group. You just need consistency. And I think that that combination is going to get us where we need to be. Absolutely. Jake, who is on notice for you? Can you dig this? I'm going to put Asa Turner on notice. Okay. It's not that he he played bad, but because he has an opportunity to become a full-time starting safety for this team, because Cam Williams just kind of gave it away. And and you came in and you played really, really well, and and you kind of – help propel this defense to play the way that it should be playing. So don't be like him. Huh. Take the torch and run with it and be the safety that this team needs to be. So because of that, because you played good in your first start, it's a year on notice. Wow. So that was like almost a positive notice. Right. It's a positive notice, but it's also – Stay focused and, and, and <coughs> progress and get better. Who, who are you putting on notice? What do I have on notice? We did forget one MVP. And that's Peyton uh, Henry. J- uh, I was going to say Wellinger. Um, oh, Jake, Jack Westover. Westover scored a touchdown. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Peyton Henry. 
Peyton he Henry might be our Heisman, man. Peyton Henry might be the, the season MVP when it's all said and done. This dude is Dude's automatic. Automatic, <laughs> automatic yeah. man. It's killer. Yeah. Uh, who are you putting on notice? I'm putting Elijah Molden on notice. He's not going to lose his job. He's too good of a cover corner. But I, I want to see those big plays that he's given up go away. Yeah, I agree. Do you see a big drop-off between Elijah Molden? Uh, I, I, who, who would be the bottom of it? So Trent, Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon are probably the, the last two on that group. Yeah. I think there's – I've seen a big – step down from those guys and Dominic Hampton. So I don't necessarily think that there's going to be a change, but if this team wants to be successful and keep progressing off of this great second half, we got to see that, that nickel corner spot get back to being nails again. Yeah. And to be fair, the, the big play that, that Elijah Molden gave up in Stanford, he slipped and fell. Um, this one, he got burned, but I, I don't think that's going to be a pattern that we see from Molden is getting torched. I, I sure hope not. I think he's too good of a cover corner. Yeah. I mean, the thing is in a game like this, who else are you going to put on notice? I mean, I think overall this team played really, really well. Sure. Kyler Mando. So, I mean, I don't know if there's, I think it might be too late for old Kyler. I know. I'm just saying, I mean, you you're on the verge of losing your spot, and uh, if you want to, if you want to keep playing, if you see me, you you better start finding those right gaps. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah. All right, are you ready to put Arizona to bed? I am, and we did. It's the week of weeks for Husky football. Hate week. Oregon, Washington. Hate week. Washington, Oregon is such an interesting and bitter rivalry where people on both sides hate each other so much. And I don't necessarily hate that side, uh, especially because I married into an Oregon family and, and they're all good people. Uh, and the main difference I see between Oregon, Washington rivalry and Washington, Washington state. And we went over this after the apple cup is beating, losing to Washington state is much worse than losing to Oregon. But I don't I can't think of a time in my life where I've ever rooted for Oregon to win a game. No. And I think that's the difference. That's why this rivalry in my opinion is a better rivalry than even the Apple Cup. Yeah. I agree. I I love beating Wazoo, but I hate with a passion losing to Oregon. More than I hate losing to anybody else. I, every time, I mean, th- this is the most stressful you'll see me all year. The whole week coming to this game, all I, I, I'm, I'm jittery. I, I can't hardly talk about it because no matter what, my nerves and my gut are just eating me alive because of how much I hate losing to Oregon because I do not want to lose to them because we are superior to Oregon and we need to stay superior to Oregon. So this is, this is always the most looked forward game for the Washington fans. We, we want to beat Oregon. It's like Ohio state and Michigan, maybe not to that extent, but if you're going to look at one game a year, it's the Oregon game. Can you beat Oregon? If you're a coach, can you beat Oregon? Sark couldn't. Sark, well, Sark couldn't beat a lot of guys. <laughs> that was pretty funny. During a lot of that 12-year just awful run, I was living in Oregon at the time. I was going to school in Portland, and I was surrounded by Duck fans. And that was some of the, the worst interactions. Not worst interactions. It was just really a bummer to go to work or go to school and – Everybody knew that I was a Husky fan, so I'd get it from professors, and I'd get it from students, and I'd get it from coworkers. And every year, I just would cling to this hope that Washington would finally end that streak. And I'd get pissed. I'd read uh, John Canzano's pieces in the Oregonian, and 
he was so big on Oregon and so down on Washington. And I just, I couldn't stand it. And I thought he was biased, but also living down in this area, it's been really nice to see that switch. And, and he's really not biased. He's just really, he, he, he saw the trend and I was more of a blind Homer than, uh, than him. Cause he was really critical with Oregon when Washington started beating this team again. Yeah. But because of those experiences and, and it's by my, my family's great. You know, my wife is by she's, she's nice. Um, yeah, if, the, if there was ever one Oregon fan that I could stand, it's your wife. Trevor. But I tell you what, I mean, we've gone to Autzen. You've gone. Did you go once? Twice. Yeah. You went twice. I've gone four times. I've always had a really good time there. I know that some Husky fans say that they've been treated poorly in Oregon. And I know Oregon friends have said they've been treated badly in Washington. We've so I'm not going to demonize. We've yeah, we've saw it from, from the Washington side. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to demonize a fan base, cause, but I am going to dislike this group. Absolutely. And I don't like Oregon. I don't like their strength coach. I don't like their <laughs> head coach. The guy, um, you don't like the guy with the fruity mustache? Fill the slaves Friday! <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like that he, uh, that Crystal Ball was on the Miami team that tries to claim 91 as their championship. I don't like anything about that, that group. I don't like their uniforms. I don't like their colors. I get mad when I see their really nice stuff. When I go to that university, I don't like it when they're good. I agree. Nothing, nothing, needs, nothing else needs to be said. The fact that we are Husky fans, we have a right to really dislike Oregon. I, I personally, I hate Oregon. I didn't marry an Oregon duck. I'm not a traitor like some people I know. Um... <laughs> Okay, your entire family is Ohio State fans. Uh, not Oregon fans. I mean, I, I win that argument. But if that's your argument, you lose off of that argument. Uh, my, <laughs> wife, my wife is not an Ohio State fan. She is a Washington Husky fan. And if she wasn't, she wouldn't be married to this awesome guy. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's get to let's get to some uh, previewing. Let's stop talking hate. I, there's only so much hate in my heart. It's already full of yellow and green. All right, so we got. Of course, we know about their offense. We've had Justin Herbert shoved down our throat for an entire year. Um, he's uh, going to be a first round pick this year. Six six, great arm. You know, he's got seventeen uh, seventeen touchdowns on the season to one interception. He's a good player. Uh, his favorite target, Jacob Breland, just went out with an ACL injury, so he's going to be out for the season, which is, I mean, it's never fun to see anybody go down with an injury, especially your senior year. That's, that's a bummer. But, you know, they, they still got some more athletes. Their receiving core is getting more healthy. Uh, and then C.J. Verdell, their, their bell cow back. Quick guy, not necessarily the best pure running back, but um, he's 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 a he's a really good athlete. Yeah, as far as their offense goes, he pretty much took every point that I had. Um, yeah, thanks for that. But That's, I'm here to serve. The, the fact that Herbert doesn't turn the ball over—if we could get a turnover to from Herbert—that's going to really set this offense up, and I think that's going to be our best chance of winning. Um, if he goes out and does what he does and throws touchdowns and doesn't give the ball away. I think this defense is in a little bit of trouble. They haven't scored a ton of points against um, Pac-12 teams until last week when they really put it on um, Colorado. They just – and some of that was – that was one of the wackiest games I've seen. Um, that We'll get to their defense. But their defense just destroyed Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, that could have been a 17-10 game going into half, and it was just a really fluky drop touchdown turned interception. Uh, nothing went Colorado's way. Against Col- uh, California, they scored 17. Stanford, they scored 21. So they outscored, they scored more than us against Stanford. They scored less against California. 
I think we're still it's going to be really interesting to see them play another really talented defense like they did Cal to see where this offense actually is. Yeah. And of course, Penny Sewell, probably one of the best linemen in, in the PAC 12. He was the PAC 12 lineman of the week. He looked really good, but on the right side, there's definitely some spots where Washington can take advantage. Yeah. And, and really, I think more than their offense making me nervous, I think their defense makes me a little bit nervous. Um, their defense I'm, statistically is a top five defense in the nation. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of worried about our red zone offense versus their defense, their red zone defense. Oregon's defense in the red zone is allowing a touchdown 14% of the time, which, yeah. is, which is top in the nation. And prior to the second half of the Arizona game, our red zone offense had been reeling. So did we turn it around in time? Hopefully. Maybe there's some trick plays up our sleeves or some plays that we haven't ran this year so far that we have waiting for a game like this in the red zone that we can kind of take advantage of that defense, um, hopefully, because if you look if you look at the stats, man, they're not in our favor in that category. And that's how you win games is, is executing in the red zone. And it, it makes me a little bit nervous because that defense gets really stout when it gets in, yeah. in, in, in between the 20 and the goal line. Seventh year senior Troy die back for one more year. The guy's been there forever. He's, he just tackles everybody. Do you like that one? I did like that one. But yeah. he might not be playing guy and I'm I can't figure out who it was probably will not be playing that looked like a pretty pretty bad knee and uh, leg injury well I saw the Troy Dye has a uh, has an upper body injury and he's questionable for the game now it's oh, Washington. okay yeah but it's Washington so he'll probably play I mean it's a senior year he's beat Washington three times twice no he's beaten twice. Washington he was there in 16. He was there in 17. So he's beaten Washington once. Am I, am I doing that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So he's a heart and soul of that team. He's another guy that was – he was a Helfrich guy. Um, was, he was pretty vocal when he left, but he brought the guys together after that firing to keep that group together because it looked like that Oregon program was going to go down the toilet and Troy Dye and Justin Herbert and a few other guys were able to keep that nucleus together. um, Which if it wasn't Oregon, I think was really impressive. He could have declared to the draft last year and he decided along with Justin Herbert to come back. And so there's always some of that emotional leadership. And and when you're playing your, your biggest rival, it's one of those things where, going to go yeah i mean i would imagine he'll probably be playing i just i hope not (laughs) well you know the thing is regardless if he plays or not like i i want to be i want to be oregon um i i'm really excited to see if this momentum and this new spark that washington's offense found against arizona albeit arizona's defense is able to translate and maybe just get some positive energy and some momentum going forward into this game. Absolutely. And I, I, I think they turned it around right at the right time. They got a little uh, bit of yeah. I think uh, I think you're probably going to see Puka a couple more times this game. The guy has playmaking ability, which is what we're going to need against this team. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a battle of two first-round quarterbacks. See who can come out on top. Hopefully it's our guy. I'm rooting for him. Uh, yeah. That's why we All right, you ready to – that's right. We'll see. I'm having some people over. Uh, unfortunately for me, mostly Duck fans. Trav. I, I, where do I live, man? You know, where, you know where I'll be? I do know where you'll be. Why don't you tell everybody else? Viva La Vega. Pretty excited. Stressed. Though. You're not going to be that stressed. No, I'm going to be that drunk. <laughs> 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 this is uh, this is the first time me and my wife have been away from our kids since they've been born. So uh, we're gonna take advantage. So Jake, you finally had yourself a winning week, bud. 
Not only did you have a winning week, but you beat me for the first time this week. So good job. I went. I went three and two. You went four and one. That's a good week. The only the only one you missed was the Colorado. Oh yeah. Because Colorado got absolutely boat raced. Yes, man. So embarrassed i don't know what word you want to use but it was all bad it was all bad all, other than that colorado you got all of them right the only one we picked different was the sc notre dame game and sc backdoor covered that boy, bad boy boy barely yep but you got it so overall on the year i'm 19 and 21 and you're 12 and 27 i'm getting there I'm coming back. So, I'm coming back. Cool. I really needed you to drop the ball that week, and you didn't. No, no, I did not. Um, so we got a full slate, all Pac-12 games this week. No out-of-conference. These games matter now. Thursday, we got UCLA headed to Stanford. Stanford is a seven-point favorite. Yeah. I Jake, what do you got? I can't believe it's only seven. I'm going Stanford. Okay. Well, I am going with UCLA. I'm <laughs> hoping maybe that little break helps Chip decide he wants to coach football again. Mm. Seven seems like too little, but that's my uh, that's my one iffy pick for the day. Okay. Yep. Next, we got Oregon State traveling to Cal. Cal is a ten and a half point favorite. Jake, what do you got? I got Oregon State to cover, but lose. So you've given up on UCLA, which is probably smart. However, I have <laughs> given up on Oregon State. That yeah, was which is also smart, <laughs> dude. They looked like a JV high school baseball holy cow for baseball team playing Utah. Does, does Jonathan Smith make it out of the year? Yeah, he will. He's still got more time. Who does are they going to hire? The next. Does he make it to next year? Yeah, I think that there there's some good things happening, and they're probably going to be okay at some point. But, man, just an absolute – whatever Oregon State did, it didn't matter. Man. They just they, got – they just got dismantled. They, they fell apart, man. That whole program is just toast. Yeah, and they said that this team—I mean, this team—is better than they were last year, which is good. But the wins might not look like it just because their their schedule is so brutal. Yeah, it's hard to be a bad team in the Pac-12 North. And for that, I'm taking Cal. Next, we got two ranked opponents going against each other: Arizona State at Utah. Utah is a 14-point favorite. Jake, what do you got? I think Arizona State to cover. I do as well. I don't know who's going to win. Probably Utah. Yeah. However, Herm Edwards doesn't lose or win by more than seven. Right, ever. So whenever I see double digits as ASU being a dog, I'm taking that. Absolutely. Good call, Trev. So, next, I got Colorado at Washington State. Washington State is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. I know. I wanted to take Colorado. But, man, they got obliterated by Oregon. They didn't but look gonna, like they belonged on the field. But I'm going to take Colorado. Okay, I think, wow. I think, I think Washington State will get obliterated by Oregon, too. I think Washington State's actually really bad this year. You know, I was thinking about this. I was driving somewhere today, and I was just thinking about the podcast and thinking about some of the things we've talked about this year. And both of us predicted different teams were going to have a really tough year in the North, that they're going to take a massive step back. And I said it was going to be Stanford, and you said it was going to be Wazoo. And my friend, we look like we might both be right. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? I mean, this could be the fight hunger bowl preview between Wazoo and Stanford. <laughs> fight for the macaroni. It could be. So, I don't know. I got US, uh, WSU covering. I just, I just can't see them losing to this bad of a defense. Yeah. Well, I don't see them losing, but I don't – oh, boy. I mean, Less than two touchdowns, I'm giving it to them. Washington State's defense gives up the touchdowns at will. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And let's not forget, Colorado still has Lavishka Spinell. So. He's yeah, but they're not the using them. He's going to be no, they're not, and they should be. Yep. It's. I mean, he's the best player on the field. But yeah, it's really frustrating. I would be really frustrated if I was a Buffalo fan. I'd also be really frustrated if I was Lavisca Chenault. Right. Who probably but should have gone out last year to the end. You got to stay healthy, though. That's his problem. Yeah. All right. Next, we got Arizona traveling to USC. Arizona is a 10-point dog. What do you got? USC to cover. I'm pretty sure Arizona was broken by Washington. Do you think so? I do. I think uh, I think SC wins. I, I also think SC's playing for Clay Hilton. And, uh, I mean, they played, they played a really good Notre Dame team really hard at the end of the game. So They did. Um, and you know, does that save Clay Helton's job? Probably not. However, I think SC's, and this is going to be weird sounding, but SC will go bowling again, Oof. which is weird because SC should always go to a bowl, but they didn't last year. It's weird. It is weird. The only time they don't go to when they, the only time they don't go bowling is when they're on probation. <laughs> Except for last year. I know. It's weird. It it's an weird. outlier, man. I mean, how many times in our – I'm not going to say in our lifetime, but how many times in our years of really following college football has yeah. SC not gone to I a mean, bowl game? It's probably the same amount of times as in our lifetimes. There were some years there where I don't think they were as good. But still, I mean – Yeah, but they were bowling. It's crazy to think of that, right? Yeah. I'm not going to go look it up, but – SC never does the only yeah and, and like it was a joke it was kind of a backhanded joke but I'm also not being um I, I'm I'm also not joking because yeah. the only time been uh sanctioned it's really weird down there in Southern California yeah, they'll they'll go bowling this year that team's really good they're really talented yeah they are so all right last one okay. of the night. What, did you want to tell a story, or what did you want to do here? No. So the deal is, is I'm going to Vegas, uh-huh. and I got permission to lay down some cash on this game. What do I do? Do I pick Oregon to cover? Probably not. Do I pick Washington to cover but lose? Probably, you know, maybe. Do I pick Washington to cover and win outright? What do I do, Trev? So I've I've heard it said that you should never bet on your favorite team. But I think that's stupid because why else would you gamble? Because it's fun well, yeah. and you I'm like your gonna, team. Right. I'm not going to go down to Vegas and sports bet on something that I have zero interest in. You're obviously going to put whatever, you know, whatever the odds are for Seattle to win the Super Bowl. You're going to put a couple of dollars on that. Sure. Uh, so you're going to put money on this game. Um, and I'm trying not to be a homer, but I'm also, I also can't not be a homer. But I can't see Oregon coming in here and beating Washington in Husky Stadium. So I'm going to take Washington to cover and win the game. Yeah, I think I am too. Just, I, what are they, three-point favorites? They're three-point, yeah, oh, Washington is three-point dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down there and put them to win it outright. Peyton Henry's going to win the game. Ooh. Take that to the bank. But then it's a push. (laughs) Don't give me money back. (laughs) Okay, never mind. (laughs) Peyton Henry's going to avenge his miss by hitting everything. Uh, All seven extra points that he has to make. I like Ooh. that. Ooh. I, like, I like that. A little jab there. Trevor. So Do we get do we get a point this year? Do we get a point? Yeah, Jake Brown points. Uh you're not gonna get a point, you're gonna get a carnal yell. From who? From Puka. I knew it. <laughs> He's gonna <laughs> 
the goal for him is to keep his helmet on so he doesn't throw right. it after he scores a touchdown he, like he did. In the poly bowl. <laughs> Not only is this a big game from a rivalry standpoint, but Washington wins. They set themselves up to be able to still win the North. And if they lose this game, you're – Oregon will be the North representative in the Pac-12 championship because the only team that they won't have a two-game lead on at that point would be Oregon State. Oof. So, yeah. yeah. They, they hold, if they beat Washington, they have the tiebreaker on Washington. That would get, they would have to lose four games in league, which isn't going to happen. No. However, if you win this game, then you're asking Oregon to lose one more game in league which I think they have a very good chance of doing. I agree. They still got a tough so, game, so. Yep, they got SC that's talented enough to beat them. Uh, they got some team. They uh, they got WSU who's had their number, even though they're down. They have ASU on their schedule who's who plays well. So there's still games to be had out there for them. A huge one for us, man. Yep, gotta have it. Gotta yeah. have it. Gonna get it. Man, I'm with you. I got Ready? nothing else, dude. Freaking go dogs. Go dogs. Hello, mates. I'm Jack. I'm Kenny. And welcome to Rock and Roll Up, the music and wrestling podcast. Here, you'll find our weekly music and wrestling podcast with our signature wacky comedy twist. So wacky. Expect news. Special episodes. Controversial hot takes. And comedy features such as Kenny's rant. Jack's joke of the week. (laughs) And of course, pun association. Musical fruit. John Lemon. So wacky. So like, comment, share and subscribe. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher and SoundCloud. You can get involved with the conversation at Rock Roll Up Pod on Twitter and at Rock and Roll Up Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Are you ready to step inside the ring with these two heavyweights? Big time. Peace out.